0: This is the Providence Reformed Church sermon podcast feed, but unfortunately, we weren't able to get a recording of Sunday's message. We were at the park, and not everything technologically worked the way that we wanted to. So, I thought I would do another one of what we once called the audiobook version of Sunday's message. It's a sermon from John eleven thirty eight 38 to 44, simply called Raising the Dead. John eleven thirty eight to 44 reads, But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he'd said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Every Sunday that a church gathers is a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus, We meet on Sunday, the Lord's Day, because we're remembering that it was the first day of the week when the Savior walked out of his tomb and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is everything he ever claimed to be, and he did everything he ever promised to do. Today is no exception, but today's special. It's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. It's the day when Christians all over the world take time to specially emphasize who Jesus is and what he's done. The one who came to earth as God in the flesh, the one who lived out the perfection that none of us have ever lived, the one who died to pay for our sins, Jesus, also defeated death, conquered the grave, lives today, and gives eternal life to all who come to him in faith and repentance. Today's a good day. When John wrote his book, he chose by God's inspiration to share with us events in the life of Jesus that would help us to believe in him, to marvel at him, to worship him. John chose to share with us seven major miracles that Jesus performed, each one a little more amazing than the one before it. And this morning, we have the privilege of seeing the seventh one. Jesus will raise the dead, bringing his good friend Lazarus back to life. It's a miracle that happened in full view of a crowd of people, many of whom were hostile to Jesus. So nobody could deny what the Lord had done that day. And, It's a miracle that foreshadows the fact that Jesus will himself come out of a grave, defeating death, which is what we celebrate today. If you want to take some notes this morning, be ready to write down four things we'll see as we watch Jesus raise the dead. Our first point, point number one, despise doubt and death. John 11 verse 38 says, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Let's uh, set the stage. Jesus had a good friend named Lazarus, who was a brother to Mary and Martha. Early in John chapter 11, the report came to Jesus that Lazarus was very sick. Jesus chose not to come to the family immediately, but chose to wait two extra days. Lazarus died. Jesus told his followers, his disciples, that all this occurred so that God would be glorified. John told us that Jesus did what he did out of a true love for the family. In verse 35, earlier, we read that Jesus wept when seeing the sorrow of his friends. So we know he's tender and sympathetic toward their plight. But coming to the tomb, Jesus is deeply moved in his spirit. Last week, we learned that those words in their original language indicate that Jesus is angry. And I suggested to you that Jesus may have been angry when faced with the hopelessness of the crowd, because they were grieving as if God wasn't there. Let's be careful not to live like God is absent from our lives, even in our pain, because I know it's way too easy to slip into doubt and fear. I want to remind us that doubt dishonors the Lord. When you find yourself wrestling with fear and doubt, take it to the Lord in prayer. Cry out to the Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Confess to your God that your eyes are full of the temporal and they're missing sight of the eternal. Confess that you know that doubting his goodness and his provision questions his character. Confess to him that you know he's perfect, good, and far better than your doubt is allowing you to see. Ask the Lord to help you despise doubt and trust in him. And thank God that because of Jesus, God is gracious enough to forgive your doubt and strengthen your unbelieving soul. But why else might Jesus have been angry? Jesus may be showing us the heart of God toward death itself. Death, remember, is the right and just penalty that mankind faces for rebellion against God. Death is a dark stain on a fallen world. Death is, as we see in 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-six, the last enemy to be destroyed. And death is a thing that God will utterly finish when all is said and done. When you think about death itself, you should hate it. All our sickness... All our pain, all our physical suffering exists as the result of Adam's original sin and the curse of death that he brought down on humanity. All of creation longs to be freed from this curse. Your body longs to be free from this curse. And that longing is good. Despise death, long for eternity. Look forward to the hope of life forever with Jesus in a new resurrection body that is no longer impacted by what Adam did so many years ago. Speaking of the tomb, John tells us it was a cave with a stone over its entrance. I think John wants you and me to have in our minds a picture of the reality of this situation. Lazarus is dead. He's really dead. He's been dead for four days. His body is in the tomb. He's not coming back. That would be impossible. John wants us to be hit with the finality of death. Pointing to the tomb causes us to think about the fact of our own mortality. All of us are headed toward the grave unless God chooses to take us home in some other way. All of our lives on this earth will come to an end. Nothing we buy or build in this lifetime will last. Little that we accomplish will be remembered by others. No matter how rich, how full, how meaningful we think our lives to be, we are all destined to end up in the same place. We're all destined for the grave. The important question for each of us is not how much can we accomplish before the grave. Instead, the question is, how can we be sure that when that day comes, our souls are right with God? This morning, think hard about the reality of the grave. Let its reality draw you to think about what's real, what's important, what's eternal. Let the grave lead you to think about where you stand before God. The dark opening of this passage causes us to despise doubt and death but now let's move forward and see some things to embrace some things in which to rejoice point number two trust jesus and see his glory verse 39 to 40 jesus said take away the stone martha the sister of the dead man said to him lord by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days jesus said to her Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? When Jesus gives the command to remove the stone from the entrance of the tomb, Martha's aghast. Thinking that Jesus just wants a look at her brother's body, Martha moves to stop Jesus from opening the tomb. She knows it's been four days. She believes that Lazarus' body is going to be in a state of decay. Simply put, she warns Jesus not to open the tomb because the rotting body will stink. But Jesus turns to Martha and asks her if she remembers what he's taught her. If she'll believe in him, having genuine faith in him, she'll see the glory of God. He doesn't tell her how she'll see it, he doesn't tell her what he's up to. But he does ask her to display genuine, true faith in him in order to see something marvelous. What'll happen if Martha believes in Jesus? Two things will occur. First, if Martha believes in Jesus, she'll take action. She'll not simply hear Jesus' instruction to have the stone removed. She'll go along with that command and order those around her to do what Jesus said. This teaches us something. True faith in Jesus always requires action. Second, if Martha will truly believe in Jesus, she'll see the glory of God. If she believes, she'll experience the highest of possible human joys. True faith in Jesus always reaps a reward. But what about you? What about me? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you have the kind of faith in Jesus that God commands you to have? If you do, two things will be true. If you really have faith in Jesus, you'll take action in your life. You'll live differently because of your faith in Jesus. You'll desire to know God more. You'll study God's Word. You'll attend church regularly, joining in worship with joy. You'll learn to love others. You'll share your faith. You'll give of your resources to the ministry of God's kingdom. You'll turn away from sinful activities and thoughts, and you'll turn to right living and right thinking. Let me be clear. You will not change so that you could be forgiven, but you'll change because you have believed and are forgiven already. If you have genuine faith in Jesus, you'll take action based on that faith. Also, if you have genuine faith in Jesus, you'll reap a reward. You, like Martha, will see the glory of God. If you have the kind of faith in Jesus that changes your life, that saves your soul, you'll experience the joy of being what God created you to be and doing what God created you to do. You'll live for the joy of experiencing the glory of God. And when you go to the grave, you'll find ultimate fulfillment, eternal life in Jesus Christ. Trust Jesus and see his glory. Point three, believe in Jesus. Verses 41 and 42. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. Martha believes Jesus. How do we know? She allows the people to remove the stone. The mouth of the tomb is opened. From outside, mourners peer into the yawning darkness of the cave, knowing that inside is nothing that is alive. Before Jesus does anything else, he voices a prayer. Jesus turns his gaze heavenward and offers thanks to his Father for hearing him. Clearly, Jesus is praying a prayer of thanksgiving, as he knows that God the Father will do what Jesus asks him to do. Also in his prayer, Jesus makes sure that those who hear him praying understand that he is in no way surprised that the Father should answer his prayer. He says thanks to the Father, not because he didn't expect the answer to his prayer, but precisely because he knows that the Father, his fellow in the Trinity, always answers his prayers. In his prayer, Jesus tells us why he wanted those around him to hear it. Jesus wants everyone who hears this prayer to know that what's about to happen happens by the finger of God. There should be no questions. There's there's no trickery. What's about to occur serves as proof that Jesus is exactly who he claims to be. Jesus wants the crowd witnessing this miracle to believe that God the Father sent Jesus. He wants you and me reading this account nearly 2,000 years later to believe the same thing. This point is the very center of everything in the Bible. Every book of the Bible points us to the sending of Jesus. In the beginning, mankind fought against God and earned judgment. God promised to send one person into the world to set things right. All of the Bible is that promise is about that promise being fulfilled. Jesus, in this prayer, is telling us that he's praying out loud before the people see the miracle because he wants everybody watching to know that he, Jesus, is the fulfillment of God's promises. There's only one right response to this. Believe in Jesus. He's going to do the impossible right here. He's going to prove to us that he, unlike any other person before him, is the one sent by God the Father to save us from the consequences of our rebellion against God. Your only hope, my only hope, everybody's only hope is Jesus. Believe him. And point number four, come to Jesus for life. Verses 43 and 44. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Once Jesus finished praying, he cried out with a loud voice. No one could mistake this voice of command, and he said a very simple short sentence, Lazarus, come out. Literally, Jesus said, Lazarus, here, outside. Life returned to the body of the day's dead, Lazarus. He got up and walked out of the tomb. Why did he do that? He had no choice. Lazarus was commanded by the voice of God to arise and come forth. And so he did. And as many have said before, it's a good thing that Jesus said, Lazarus. Jesus' power is so great that had he simply said, come out, all of the people in the tombs might have come out. Jesus raised the dead. He claimed to be the resurrection and the life, and to prove it, he spoke to a man dead for four days, and that man returned to life. Jesus didn't do this in a secret place, but in plain sight of a crowd of people, many of whom were his enemies. The miracle was the greatest that the crowds had ever seen. Before he did this miracle, Jesus prayed that those who saw it performed would know that Jesus is from God. And here we sit 2,000 years removed from this time. We read about Jesus' claims. We read about Lazarus' death. We read about Jesus' prayer. And we read about Jesus with a shout of command, bringing Lazarus back to life. What must we do? We must believe. There's no alternative. What must we believe? What must we believe? I'll say that better. We must believe that Jesus is truly God and that he really has the power to give life to whomever he wishes. We also must obey Jesus. He commands all men everywhere to repent and to believe in Jesus to receive God's forgiveness. If you're here this morning, if you're hearing my voice, and you don't know that you know God, if you've not had your life changed by Jesus, know that he commands you to believe. So stop relying on what you think you understand. Stop trying to be a good person to earn your way to heaven. Stop trying to think you get to heaven by being just so good, or better than you are, worse, or better than some other person. Stop living for for petty pleasures and simple treasures that will not last beyond the grave. Hear the voice of Jesus. He calls his children to believe in him, to turn from their sins, and to follow him. And you can do this today. This morning, I invite you, come to Jesus for life. Our holy and loving God has made it plain that all who will turn from their sin and entrust themselves to Jesus will be saved. As Jesus called Lazarus to come out, I, under the authority of God's word, call us all to come to Jesus. Do you want life? Do you want to know the God who made you? Come to Jesus in faith. Everyone who calls on Jesus for salvation in genuine faith will be saved. This means that God will have given you life. It means that God will forgive you of your sins. It means that God will give you his Holy Spirit it means that god'll change you it means that god will give you eternity with him as a reward what's it look like to come to jesus first you hear the message of jesus you find that something happens in your heart you you believe You know that you need forgiveness. You know that Jesus is your only way to God, and you surrender. You bow in your heart to Jesus as Lord. You cry out to Him in prayer. You ask Him to forgive you, and you trust that all who come to Him in faith like this are truly forgiven because of what Jesus did. Lazarus shuffled out of the grave, all wrapped up in grave clothes. Jesus commanded that the people untie Him and set Him free. When you come to Jesus for salvation— Jesus will also work on your life, untying you from the things that have kept you from your Lord. As we said earlier, when you believe, you're changed. You who have believed in Jesus, today would be a good day to ask God what things are tying you up and keeping you from the joy you should have with your Lord. Ask God to help you not only to believe, but to also repent and live for his glory. Despise doubt and death. Trust Jesus and see his glory. Believe in Jesus. Come to Jesus and live. Jesus commanded and raised a man from the grave. Don't you know that Jesus can bring you out of your grave too? How can we be so confident that Jesus is really able to save our souls and set us right with God as we've claimed here all morning? I mean, sure, Jesus brought Lazarus out of the grave, but we also know Lazarus died again. The way we can know is this. Jesus rose from the grave too. Like Lazarus, Jesus died. Like Lazarus, Jesus was placed in a tomb. Like Lazarus, Jesus came out of the grave. But unlike Lazarus, Jesus came out of the grave by his own power in a glorified body, never to die again. Jesus conquered death once and for all. Jesus is alive right now. Today we celebrate his resurrection. Worship Jesus, trust in Jesus, rejoice in his resurrection and find true hope for your forever. Let's pray. Lord God, I pray that all who hear the words of this message would magnify you in Jesus, that they would believe, that they would find life, that they would find forgiveness, because our Lord Jesus is risen from the grave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.